Well, thank right. uh, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you doing? Yeah, my pleasure. No, every... but, uh, it, it's crazy because um, I know we were trying to plan this for a while, um, all three of us, and you went through like a, a knee surgery, knee replacement. Um, yeah, I had uh, tomorrow will be two weeks that I had my knee replaced. So I'm kind of uh-huh. just home recuperating and reading a lot and watching a lot of film. Yeah, that, 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 and, that's not bad. So but how long you- have you had this? How long have you had this show? Well, I've had my show for about a year. Mike's had uh, his page for about 10. Mike, uh, you want to tell him a little bit about your uh, your page and okay. stuff? Yeah, so we've had the page for 10 years. About uh, in September, it'll be 10 years. And we just started kind of doing a podcast recently about, you know, past year or so too. And then me and Adam kind of been talking because he has a podcast too. And we've been going back and forth. And then we decided to just be good to do some interviews together. So we're really trying to just, you know, bring the Italian community together and network and, you know, anyone who's Italian who people might be interested in, we've been just reaching out to. And so we really appreciate you coming on. You've, um, you know, looking over everything you've done. It seems like you've been in a lot of different films and, you know, and an Oscar winning one too. And you worked with some great people, Pesci. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you want to kind of give yeah. our fans a little well, bit background about you and just kind of everything you know, just your career. I started off, uh, I started off, uh, I went from the streets of Jersey to the middle of the country. And it was right during the Vietnam crisis. And uh, I walked into an acting class one day, because I had to take it as a prerequisite. And uh, I auditioned for a play. And that was it. So I ended up doing a lot of theater. We traveled through the Midwest. We did some plays in Chicago, all over Iowa. Then I came back to New York after I graduated. And, you know, from where I came from, nobody was an actor, right? It's like it was so far from my family. So I I immediately got a job. I was uh, fashioned out of a gentleman's quarterly when I was 22. But I had done about eight or ten plays by then. I had done that for a little while, and then I started auditioning for plays and so i started doing some theater and i came to la and you know did a couple of bits here and there and then i uh ended up doing a lead in a movie which is kind of a classic now called the death collector and it was me joe pesci and frank vincent and um it caught the attention of a lot of people and the dinero and scorsese saw it and we were both supposed to be in a raging bull, but they combined the both roles and they made it one role. And uh, obviously, we know who got that. Yeah. And uh, that's how I started off. Yeah. You know? Well, it's then- uh, it's really interesting because um, The Death Collector, which was a movie that you said you started with Joe Pesci and Frank Vincent. Uh, first off, yeah. they're legends and you're a legend as well. That like great, great film. And what's also crazy is that um, I heard you have a really funny story about Joe Pesci, and I don't know if you want to share it, but Melissa said it was a really funny one, so I'm not sure if you want to tell us a little bit about that. I don't know exactly which story you're talking about, but there's a <laughs> lot of it. So when I first, here's what happened. So I walk into this audition on 37th and Park, right? Yeah. I'm like 27. I don't think I'm 28 years old yet. And there's a room full of actors. Finally, they call me into audition, and I'm reading a scene with another guy, and the guy's pointing me his finger on my chest and going, let me tell you something, Jerry. If you don't, you know, we'll kick your ass 
And he kept pointing his finger at my chest. Finally, I dropped the pages. I grabbed the guy by his shirt. I ran him into the wall. I grabbed him by the throat. And I said, if you ever put your fucking hands on me again, I'll tear your head off. <laughs> and all I heard was, here's what I heard. Excuse me, but like, why did you do that? That's not written. <laughs> and I said, well, what would you have done? He said, I do the same thing you did, but everybody else said, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Then he's, oh, dude, so you do he a said, great, you do awesome. a great Joe Pesci uh, impression, man. Well, it's, it's only going on fifty years, right? So I find his next yeah. question was, "He said, what are you doing for dinner tonight?" I said, "I don't have any plans." He said, "What are you doing now?" And we went and had dinner, and then I watched him and Frank perform at a club. There were a stand-up act. He was a stand-up act. Frank played the drums. Joe played the guitar. Yep. And they would do, you know, cello and then they would do, all, they would do like wise guy material and, and, and gangster joints all on, you know, North Jersey. And that's how it started, you know. I got the part in a movie, we made the movie, and the movie, uh, unexpected, nobody knew what to expect. And we got a great review from Vincent Canby, who was world, you know, renowned critic at the time and that's that's kind of like what set us off so how um did it help joe pesci take off too or how big was joe pesci at the time well obviously it did because the next thing that happened actually we came out to california meet him and the director ralph tapito mm-hmm. and i had done a play in new york where a producer named ralph serpy said if you ever got anything kid let me know you know Mm-hmm. Like it was a throwaway line, right? So, mm-hmm. so I walk into Dino Duvarentis's office with the film, and I said, uh, "Is Ralph Sharp here?" And they said, "Yeah, who are you?" I said, "I'm Joe Cortese." He told me if I ever had anything that I should, you know, bring it to him. And the guy looked at me. He said, "Get the fuck out of here! Are you crazy? You walk in there with a 35 millimeter print?" I go, you know, and I, I mean, I was green as grass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Lo and behold, the guy walked out, Dino Conti. He said, what do you got there, kid? I showed him the reviews. They screened the movie. And at the time, they were going to make The Raging Bull. It was Dino De Laurentiis' picture. And, um, you know, they put, uh, they put me and Joe under contract. And that's, uh, that's pretty much how he got The Raging Bull. Yeah. And oh, also, awesome. in terms of the, the Death Collector, that's also one of uh, Tarantino's. I read it's one of his favorite films, right? It's Quentin. It's Quentin has told me repeatedly it's one of the top ten movies that he uh, that are his favorites. He actually screens it at his theater on Beverly Drive on a double bill with Mean Streets. That's crazy! It's wow, great, no kidding. Great, it's a great double feature. Yeah. So, Joe, how'd you get into, how'd you transition from theater to just the acting world? Is that kind of an easy thing? Would you recommend that to a lot of people? Or was that kind of well, something out of you know, It's just such a different business today. So, when I came up, I came up old school. You did theater first and got your feet wet. And then, you know, if you were lucky enough to be able to get filmed, you, you wanted to transfer. You know, transcend, transcend into film. I was kind of fortunate that I did a couple of plays. I got recognized in one of the plays. And then I, uh, you know, was in workshops, always, you know, I studied with some of the great acting teachers in New York and Los Angeles. 
you know, Julie Bavasso, Milt Pizzellis, you know, HB Studios. I'm a lifetime member of the Actors Studio. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a, it was, for me, the transition was kind of natural. Uh, you know, it's, everybody, I know, look, everybody gets there a different way. But I would say today it's different. I don't know. Today, you know, if you've got a lot of followers, you become an actor. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it, it's definitely it's definitely changed over time. Like I just started my acting career and Melissa, like she manages me and everything, and she's fantastic. And uh she's so funny. And I honestly, just to shout out her, I want to thank her for setting up this interview with you. Um, you know, you seem like a great guy and everything and everything, everything that you've done. But besides like even the death collector and the and the theater stuff, after that you've you've done countless films and you appeared in classics as well, like even like American History X. Uh you started in a movie with Talia Shire called Windows, which I love Talia Shire. Yeah. And that's crazy. So, that was my first studio movie. Yeah. It was uh Talia Shire, Elizabeth Ashley, and myself, and Gordon Willis, the DP from uh The Godfather. Yeah. It was his directorial debut. And uh, all I'll say is that he's one of the greatest directors of photography ever, but he was not a film director. You know, it was crazy enough, 30 years later, the picture has now become a classic amongst, you know, a lot of different social groups, the gay community and LBGQ, whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's become, you know, it's kind of another cult classic. But it was my first studio movie. We shot it in New York. At the time, I was in rehearsal to do a Broadway play with Danny Aiello, who's a good friend. And, uh, you know, I got this movie and I went from there to going, uh, starring in my next movie with uh, Christopher Reeve for Frank Perry and David and uh David David Jr. or Frank Gablons were the producers. It was a pretty big picture at the time. It was about the church and the mob from a yeah. French novel called Monsignor. And in it, I married the mob guy's daughter, and I'm in the Second World War, and I'm the go-between between the Vatican and the mob for contraband, you know, and cigarettes, and, and, which really happened, you know, yeah. and how the church made a lot of money. And, uh, you know, it was pretty um, interesting picture, very provocative. Uh, so it kind of, uh, the great thing about it, it put me in Italy for four months. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about that. Living there for four months, how is it? Would you recommend, like... Oh, wow. It was the greatest trip of my life. It was fantastic. Even in Canada, mm-hmm. they treat you differently. Like, I, I shot a, a series of movies with Billy Freakman in Montreal mm-hmm. in the mid-80s called The Cat Squad, which stood for counter-assault tactical squad. And, you know, in Montreal, and all, actually all of Canada, they recognize directors and actors on a different level than they do in America. So, so it, was, uh, it was a really interesting experience. One of the great things about having a career when it's working for you is, you know, I've, I've worked in some very interesting countries all over the world. Yeah, well, More it's funny. It's funny. Being in Canada, I know that we're known for being very nice. 
So I can, I can definitely see why the director, they, they recognize the directors like that. Cause we tend to be very hospitable and very nice people and stuff. It's a lot different from LA, I would say, but it's, I've noticed Toronto, especially where I'm from, it's very up and coming They're I think, um, creating a Netflix studio here now. Um, but the funny thing about Montreal is that even though it's in Canada, they're trying to separate from us. Like they don't even like people in Canada. Like they want to be on their own. But uh, it's still great. Listen, I, think I, think, yeah. I think Canada's great. I mean, it's I great. love it. I, yeah. I mean, I love, I've worked in Same. Toronto quite a bit, Vancouver, and Montreal. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great country. Yeah, it's great. Really and there's a lot, of Itali- a lot of Italians here, big Italian population, especially in Toronto. Um, Toronto's uh, 35% Italian, I think they told me. 35% yeah. uh-huh. of the population is Italian. Yeah, where you where are you from in Italy? Like, what's your back? Like, what what uh, part are you from in Italy? Family is from Salerno, so Napolitano. Ah, nice. And uh, you know, my grandfather, who I'm named after, uh, was born in Salerno. My grandmother was from Sicily, Mm -hmm. so I'm Southern Italian. And uh, you know, of course, I've visited both places, and there's nothing there is not. Uh, any kind of group, the thing that is most interesting about Italians is they have a tremendous sense of pride. Yeah. Whether it's mailing a letter, cooking a meal, cutting your hair, painting a painting, their sense of, of pride is off the charts. They're so warm. And on the other hand, I'll tell you a great story. I used to, I had a driver, Franco, who picked me up in the morning and we'd go to the studio, we'd go to Chinchita. And he would say, Joseph, we stop for a cafe. See, si, see. Si. We'd stop for a doppio espresso. They put about six pounds of sugar in it. Ugh. And then we <laughs> go to the studio, right? So one day we were driving here and there was this traffic jam and it was like insane. You know, people uh, for like a quarter of a mile, it was nothing. It was a sea of yellow cabs and people screaming, blowing a horn. Right. So after I've had the espresso, I got caught up into it. And I'm like out of the car saying, hit this son of a bitch. <laughs> and Franco turns to me. Franco turns to me and goes, Giuseppe, you need to We're not throw the punch. The first person who throw the punch goes to jail. We just are. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that, that's the beauty of the race there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a, my favorite country in the world. Yeah. That's awesome. down. It's beautiful. Yeah. I've been there once, but I'm planning to go next year. Yeah, no, I, I then I, I've made a couple pictures there. I made a picture about seven or eight years ago with a great director named Abel Ferrara. Yeah, Abel, Abel did uh, China Doll. I mean, he's done a lot. Of, did the Bad Lieutenant, which was great. Did the original Bad Lieutenant with Harvey Keitel, which is, I mean, really a raw, great, really picture. Uh, and he's a real artist. Uh, as a matter of fact, Abel still lives there and he's doing pictures. Yeah. Well, it's just crazy uh, because even in, um, you mentioned about, uh, like for like in Italy, for example, they're all about their pride. Right. And I think, did that have a lot of impact on you for your acting career? Like, you know, every script you got, every role you got, you really like gave it your all and you really had a sense of pride with that as well. Like, you know, Oh, I'm going to nail this role. I'm going to, I'm going to be the best at it. 
I'm going to put my all into it. Did you have those values as well when it came to acting, those Italian values? You know, what I've tried to do is be as diverse as possible. So interesting enough, I mean, I've recently played Roger Stone. I played James Earl Ray in a movie. Mm-hmm. Southern, Southern uh, kind of character. I've played uh, Armani. You know, I've tried to not be pigeonholed into characters whose last name end in a vowel, if you know what I mean. Instead, of, I didn't want to be pigeonholed into being just an Italian, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and um, you know, I felt like th- that I had the range to do that. So, um, yeah, I, I when I take a role, it's usually, it's all about the writing. If, if it's not on the page, forget it. Yeah. So how do you how do you prepare for a role like in Green Book? It was kind of a smaller role. Does you prepare differently right. for smaller roles and bigger roles, or is it is it easier to kind of I get prepare, into the character when it's a bigger role? Not necessarily. I prepare the same way. I mean, uh, a lot of people don't know the true story. Tony Lip, who Vigo played, right? Mm-hmm. Tony Lip was really a bouncer at the Copa. Tony Lip happened to be my friend Nick Vallelongo's father. Yeah. Who wrote it and produced it? Wow. Originally, the story was when it sent the script to me, the character was written as Frank Sinatra. That oh, story really happened to Sinatra. <laughs> Sinatra walked into the Copa you know, with his entourage, you know, and checked in and then got into some kind of beef. And Vigo or Tony Lips, same guy, really stole the hat. Then when Sinatra left, he went around a corner to Jilly's, where Jilly's is where was Frank's good friend and a great hangout. It was right around the corner from the Copa. And he walked into the Copa and he threw his hat on the table, exactly like it happened. So when they send me the script, I'm reading it, and they, they said, uh, Pete Farley wants to meet you for this. I go, for what role? The Sinatra role. I said, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> I mean, I got a lot in my bag, man. But They said, no, no, he just wants to meet you. I said, all right. So I went and met him, and it happened to be the same casting person who had cast me uh, in the Freakin' series called uh, Cat Squad. And he said, look, we're not going to play it as Sinatra. We're going to play it as a captain and, like, the Genovese family. You know, because if we play it as Sinatra, it'll overshadow the picture. Yeah. And that's that's basically how that happened, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. And even, like, your character in that movie Green Book, Gio Lo Scudo, right? Like the the mob, that mob figure. Do you like playing mob figures? You did you grow up watching mob films? Because even you know, even acting with Frank Vincent, Joe Pesci, those are people that again, like Frank Vincent, Sopranos, Goodfellas, Casino, Joe Pesci, same thing, all these films. So I guess you're into that type of genre as well. You like that stuff? Well, yeah, listen, I mean, they're the most exciting, colorful characters to play. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what I want to play Dr. Jonas Salk, who invented the, the polio, the shot for polio, or would I want to be playing a mob guy who's a flashy mob guy? The flashy mob guy is more interesting. It is, yeah. I can see. That you know what I'm sure. saying? It's, I mean, it's it's just a more interesting, and you know, I always look for what I always look for is color and a character. You know, so I've been able to do both. In some mm-hmm. respects, you know, but 
in answer to your question, yeah, the mob guys uh, are interesting because they're more exciting and they're more memorable. Absolutely. I just, I just think sometimes nowadays with the mob films, it's not like how it used to be, in my opinion. Like, and now everyone's trying to make a mob film, and it's so hard because you can, it, it can come off really corny sometimes, or it can come off not as great, like not a powerful story. Because a lot of the original ideas have been done, right? So that's the problem nowadays with mob films that I'm noticing. But, you know, for movies like Goodfellas, uh, Casino, even the new movie, The Many Saints of Newark, that Sopranos prequel, that's going to do very well, I think, because it's just an original idea. Well, you know, there's a sense of realism that is heightened, you know, because for one thing, if you really know that life, you know, again, that's where research comes in. You know what that life's really about. So you know the way that person acts, how he talks, how he walks. I, I approach every role the same. I do my research. I exhaust everything. And then I take it and I tie it up in a big knot in a bag and I throw it out the window. And then whatever comes out, comes out. You mm-hmm. know, I let it filter through me. So, And then innately it comes out naturally for me when you're picking films to do do you kind of um because i know you said you like playing different characters do you just try to challenge yourself with different roles or you said it's more about the writing and just more about it's got to be good on paper absolutely absolutely i'm about to i made a short picture a couple of years ago called tonight and every night it's about a greek diner owner who yeah that came dementia. out that came out 2017 right that was a few years ago right yeah yeah, but in, in his dementia, in his disease, he thinks he's a late night talk show host. True story. So I make this, I meet this woman who my manager sets up, and they pay me $200 a day, right? It was not much money, right? And they sent me the script. They said, This is it. There's an offer of $200 a day. I read it. I met the director and I said, oh, I'm absolutely going to do this. I, I love the script. Now, the short, we received rave reviews and have now developed it into a full-length feature. But it's a different kind of character. I'm playing a guy with dementia who thinks he's Johnny Carson. Wow. In his mind, we go into his head, right? And what's great about this movie, dementia is a disease that touches one out of every four or five people in in the world. So this is told in such a unique way that it's it's funny, it's charming, it's touching, it's sad, and it's a real. It's I, I think it's a real powerful piece. Yeah, it should you know, like hit home said, for a lot of people for sure. Yeah, it's a picture that is going to help. Could you know help people in a certain way? It's awesome. And, I uh, love it. It's uh, something I'm really proud of. I'm really proud of the short. I try to pick different roles, you know? I mean, I've played Israeli paratroopers. I've played James Earl Ray. I've played, like I said, Roger Stone most recently. I've played a lot of different, a lot of, not just Italian-American cops or gangsters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's probably more rewarding to do a film with more meaning, like the one you're just talking about, compared to a mafia one or yeah, something, right? That's really special for me. This is a special piece. Going back to your Italian background too, I kind of want to touch on something that you mentioned earlier about your name, right? You were named after your grandfather, right? You know, I'm guessing Giuseppe in Italian. All these Italian things, because I have a friend named Joseph, just like you, and his dad is Pino, his nonno is Giuseppe, and down the line. 
So I like how I've noticed that with a lot with the with the Josephs, it's always passed down. So like you, <laughs> besides that as well, do you like take part in a lot of other Italian traditions? Like, do you like to keep in touch with your Italian culture? Look, it's ingrained in our blood, right? It's in mm-hmm. our bones. I've learned to be so appreciative of it because when you really go there and you see, like for me, the peasant dishes that they make are fabulous. You know? mm-hmm. Rapidab and sausage, you know. <laughs> yeah. Rigatoni, great cheese. You know, and, and they're so diverse. I mean, the art, the music, the fashion, the film, the kind of filmmakers. I mean, I've seen when I was in uh, making Monsignor, I saw all of the Sika movies. And I remember sitting in the theater watching the bicycle theater. And I was all by myself. And then the lights came up. And I looked over to my left and there was another fellow sitting there. I looked at him and he said, he was one of my father's favorites. And it was Manuel de Sica, who was the total de Sica's son who had done the music for the garden of Finzi Cantinas. I don't know if you've ever seen the picture. No, no, it's I Italian haven't. Italian picture. Yeah. So I studied a lot of Italian culture, Italian film from that on even and started to see a lot more Italian films and, and still do, do to this day. It's such a rich country with culture. You know, it's got so many things to offer. Mm-hmm. That's so many things to offer. Yeah, so, I think that's why, too, they probably played um, a role in Green Book because I know it's got a little Italian culture in there for sure, you know. Um, oh, for sure. They, they see it in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he comes over it. I mean, it's priceless. Tell us a little bit more about that, just because it won an Oscar. How did it feel to be in a movie that won an Oscar like that? What was great about it, it happened so fast. I was shooting the picture in January of 2018. And by February 2019, we won the Oscar. It was like, it was an (laughs) incredible ride. I mean, it was just insane. We shot, I was in New Orleans for a couple of weeks. I shot a couple more scenes that were cut for whatever reason. It was just an incredible ride. I'll tell you a great story that happened to me. The first day I was shooting, we were shooting a scene where Vigo comes in, he throws a hat on the table, right? I didn't know, I didn't really know Vigo, right? But he came up to me and goes, you're fucking nailing it every time, buddy. Great stuff. I said, oh, thanks. So we became friendly, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, two weeks have passed, and it was my last night, and it was near the end of the movie, right? So I was like, I wrapped like three o'clock in the morning. I go back to my hotel. They're still shooting. At 6.30, I get a knock on the door. Mr. Cortez, you open up an emergency. Holy shit, man, I wake up. I got like Nick Nolte there. <laughs> Where the fuck am I? I open the door, and standing there is a security guard Vigo Mortensen, Nick Vallelongo, and Peter Farley. And Vigo's got the hat in his hand. And he said, Joey, what's right is right. You got to keep this hat. And he hands me the hat. <laughs> oh, so you, still, so you still have it now? Of course I do. Do I have it? I have it. I have it sealed in a box. That is so cool. I'm going to have it encased in plastic, you know, and like a, like a piece of art, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because I have a lot of art in my house. That's I, I, I love painters. You know. Yeah. To me, that to me, that's one of the most exciting art forms. 
Yeah, it is. It's the, it's the most. But it was very. It was. It was a very cool story, and I told the story. And once I told the story, man, it was like wildfire. I mean, everybody, every, everybody picked up on the story. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, and that's who Vigo is. Great, great, great guy. Yeah, you know what's also cool that you mentioned, like just becoming friends with these actors, even like throughout your whole career, not even just with Vigo, with everybody. It goes to show that doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, where you're from. Everybody brings something good to the table, right? Everybody. Everybody. You know yeah, what I mean? Everybody's got to bring something to the table. Yeah, you, you know, look, you can have all the goods, but you still have to have a little bit of bona fortuna. Oh, of course. Capish. Capito. So he, uh, so it, it was, a, you know, it's it's a great story, you know, and everybody picked up on the hat story. It was just an exciting experience. And then it was like, it went from wrapping the picture, like in February, and by September, we're in Toronto, uh, and the Toronto Film Festival, like, just got in and had no idea what the picture looked like. And then I was in a theater with, the, you know, all of us, like 2,000 people maybe. And when the picture played, you could hear a pin drop. When the picture was over, it was thunderous. 2,000 people were on their feet applauding. It was really pretty special. Yeah, it had to be a good feeling. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. I I had never had that time. I mean, I've been in some movies that were received well, but this was over the moon. Over yeah, the moon. I got you. You could tell right away it was like a Oscar-winning movie then, huh? <laughs> everybody knew. As soon as that picture was over, everybody knew that we were in. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Everybody knew that there was a very good chance we were going to get nominated and that it was a special picture. And the more that it screened, then, you know, then it gets the traction. You know, it's an exciting time because you're going to screenings. And I remember Nick Balalongo calling me, who happened to be a friend of mine, who I did a play with 30 years ago. And this is really his story, right? His father's story. And he's saying, we just came from the first test screening. I said, yeah, how are the numbers? He said, 98% unheard of. Yeah. I said, really? He said, yeah, it's so good that Focus Features doesn't really believe it. They said, look, this is a flu. Let's test it again. Five days later, they tested again. He calls me up. I said, dude, we hit 98% of it? No, we hit 99%. That's <laughs> oh, when everybody knew That's that. crazy. That's when Spielberg saw it. Spielberg called the head of Universal and said, Christmas has come early. So you like um, doing movies more than shows? Because I won. I saw you were in the Gianni Versace um, show. Right. I don't know. And that one got pretty good traction, too. So I don't know. You just have way more fun with movies, you think, than TV shows? Or what's kind of the difference with working on a show versus a movie? You know what? I act the same in front of the camera for television, film, whatever. I don't change the way I act for the format, you know? It's all, it's all the same. Uh, it's just different venue, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, acting is acting, wherever you're doing it. 
Yeah, I and I feel like I feel like with movies, like kind of like how what you said about movies, like like Green Book, for example, how it can be a movie that will last for ages, right? It'll be a movie that is always yeah. touching people and like in, inspiring. Whereas a TV show, I get I get what you mean sometimes, where it's a little different because a show that's like ten seasons, for example, like some seasons maybe may not be as good. Some may be better, and then the the bad seasons. Well, a great example is Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad is one of the greatest TV shows. The Sopranos. Yes. One of the greatest TV shows ever made, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, it's all about you know it's all about the work and all about the material, and those are you know you it all begins with the script. If you don't, if it ain't on the page, forget it. So good writing is what it's all about, you know. Uh, and Joe, also, you're um you're still involved with theater stuff today? Yeah, I had a theater in the early 90s called the Met Theater. Mm-hmm. And it was uh my friend Tom Bauer and uh Ed Harris and uh, Holly Hunter and uh a bunch of actors like that. We started our own theater and we, you know. It ran for about seven years and you know it was just a place to work out so it's you know you always have to keep sharp for me it's i'm there's a couple of plays i want to do before i you know tuck it in mm-hmm. one of them is the one i mostly want to do is called death of the salesman oh i love that movie i love it yeah that's, you know, and I've been working on that off and on for a lot of years at the studio. So uh, I uh, I always keep my hand in that, you know. It's, I have a good friend of mine, Bobby Moresco, who has a theater. I sometimes, a theater group that I, you know, pop in every once in a while. I still go to the actor's studio on a Friday, still put up scenes when I'm not working. And uh, the theater is... The most exciting when you're performing live like that. Like I'm, I'm supposed to do a Broadway play about Ella Fitzgerald and playing her manager, but and it's an exciting script. But who knows what's going to happen now with this with this pandemic? It's it's just really messed everything up. You know, it's, you know, you don't yeah, know what the next imagine. move is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is Broadway ever going to really open full blown again? I don't know. Yeah. I was going to ask Mike, you're in Chicago. Chicago is a great theater town. Yeah, that's true. You guys have Second City over there, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, that's um, yeah. me, Gianna, and Smigs were talking about that one time because Gianna was, that's how Gianna got started too, was Second City and stuff like that and Smigs. So I don't know. It's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like theater and um, film could go hand in hand and just get you, it's a good way to get started, like you said. If there's one take, so if you can do well in the theater, probably film is way easier, you know? Yeah, oh yeah. It's a different it it's a different way to work because you're shooting a film, you're shooting out a sequence, you know, you can get a second and third or fourth and tenth take. When you're in a theater, it's all in the moment and it's you know, there is no second take. Yeah, exactly. Probably build your skills in the industry for sure, you know. Yeah, for sure. There's no question that it's a great training ground to become an actor. Most great actors that you see, not all of them, but most of them, 
started on a stage. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned Pacino, Christopher Walken. There's many others as well, too. But it just it's been honestly this whole time just talking with you has been just great because we got to learn not just about your film and TV stuff, but you as a person too. And you know, you're one funny guy as well because you do a great Joe Pesci impression, which I loved. I loved hearing that. I mean, it made my day to be honest. Yeah, when I was in high school, I always I always used to do Joe Pesci impressions in high school. Mine's not as good as yours, but you know, I can kind of do a little bit, Joe Pesci. You know, funny, yeah. Kind of do a little bit, but mine's a little too high pitched. So you know, <laughs> it's just it's just been great chatting with you today, Joe. We we really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Yeah. And um, where could um where could people follow your next move? And is there anything you want to say to anybody or upcoming projects you want to talk about? Well, you know, the only project I really want to talk about is uh, the one that I'm involved with now, which is uh, the short, which was called Tonight and Every Night, about to mention. It is now called Here's Yanni. Yanni being Johnny in Greek, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think it's a really unique, special picture, and uh, I'm kind of very excited about it. And We've been working very hard, and hopefully we're going to be shooting, like I say, in April in uh, Jersey. And where could uh, everyone get updates where to, you know, on the film and just the progression of it and everything? Yeah, probably on my IMDb. I'm not, I don't have like a big social media kind of thing, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, I have it a little bit, but uh, it seems like it's a different kind of job. That's oh, like yeah. a job. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it really is. Yeah, take yeah, it from I'd us. Rather, I'd rather concentrate on the work, the mm-hmm. real work, as opposed to self-promoting myself. Listen, when it's when we're ready to go, trust me, you'll be made aware of it. Awesome. Okay. We can't wait, man. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you so much again. And uh, before we go, just because, again, yes. I love your Joe Pesci impression. Can you just tell everybody that, like, if you want to just be like, you know, your, your name is Joe Cortese. And that you're listening to the Hardcore Italians podcast, but can you say it in Joe Pesci's accent, Mike? I think you, you really know. want me to say that. I mean, <laughs> do you really fucking want me to say that? Okay, I'm not going to say that. That's Joe Pesci. Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> that's even better. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it, man. All right, yeah, guys. Thanks. Good to talk.